Um, so, uh, this morning, guys, um, we are going to be getting into Genesis and Romans this year together, uh, which I am really looking forward to with all of you. Um, so, I want us to open up to the book of Romans this morning, uh, entitled this morning's uh, message here, um, Many Religions, But Only One Gospel. For you guys who are students of the Bible, you've come to faith in Christ, you get the title, you understand this, your heart may have leapt over this truth in reality. Uh, so... The question is, as we jump into a new study together, why are we going to be covering two books? Well, I want us to take a look here uh, together at Matthew 13, 52. Okay? It tells us here, Therefore, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out his treasure, things new and old so in that guys we are going to take old testament and new testament a little of both and bring them out who are these scribes well these are those who care about the truth and if we're going to know the truth and we like the truth don't we because the truth will sanctify us the truth will set us free jesus is the truth so if his word being truth right john 17 17 if all of it from Revelation, I mean Genesis to Revelation is all true. We want it all, right? And I'm excited to do this. I've never done this before. So we're going to take time going through the book of Romans. And then the following week we'll go through Genesis, Romans, Genesis. I hope you guys are excited about that. I am very much excited about that. And I was back and forth. I had studied so much. I am so ready to go into the book of Genesis. And I was praying, Lord, which book do we start with? And then this verse comes up. The things new and old so we'll start with the new this morning so next week we will jump into the old in genesis so we are here in romans this morning and why romans well i'm so glad you guys asked because romans is a very special book it's very special to me personally uh who wrote romans paul right for you guys who know me at all you know paul's my hero I think he's the coolest guy next to Jesus Christ. Okay, He is maybe the wisest man next to Jesus Christ, although the Bible says Solomon was a pretty wise dude. But if you actually spend time reading Paul's epistles, reading the book of Acts, and getting to know this brother and his heart for the Lord, for the church, for the gospel, man, I don't think there is any other greater Christian who's probably ever lived. Maybe there has been, okay? But it's been a lot of them over the years. But Romans is very, um, it's a hard book, but I think the best book in all of the Bible. Probably the greatest book. Um, it covers so much. Paul, as he writes this, he quotes over a hundred times the Old Testament and almost a thousand allusions to the Old Testament. So it gathers the whole of Scripture and brings things to the forefront to give us understanding and clarity. I remember when I was in Bible college, my first semester, one of the core classes was the book of Romans. And I was very excited to jump in to Romans and to study. I'm like, hey, I'm in Bible college. I'm going to take the study of God's word seriously. I can't wait to dive into this book of Romans because I don't even know what it's about. 
I'm at Bible college and I don't even know what Romans is about. Well, I start studying the book of Romans, okay? And I'm sitting there and I'm listening to my teacher in class and we have these commentaries that we had been assigned. assigned. I'm, I'm reading them and I'm hearing my teacher expound verse by verse through the book of Romans, which we're going to do the same thing together over the next year or so through this book. But as he was going through, I'm reading these commentaries and then my teacher would get up and he's just drawing out these beautiful truths, okay? These realities and some of them that were really hard to hear and i'm just like okay what am i missing so i went to their library and i'm reading 16 17 different commentaries trying to study this book of romans and every week my teacher would get up and he's still drawing out new truths i finally sat down with him over lunch i'm like hey can i have lunch with you yeah and i'm asking you i'm like i'm reading all these commentaries i'm digging the book of romans even though i feel like i'm unsaved and going to hell how many of you guys ever read like start reading romans and you're just like oh man i'm a sinner i have fallen short of the glory of god who in the heck can be saved we've all broken the law of god really i'm going through romans like am i really even saved i mean there's heavy things uh, that are presented in this book and i just began to pick his brain i'm just like how are you gathering these truths how are you getting the word of god to be uh fitting in such a way that you're drawing from almost every single other book from the bible into romans as we're going through it and he's just like oh you'll get that next semester because you'll be in another class of mine and that's called inductive bible study i'm like what's inductive bible study and that's how he prepared to preach the Word of God. Today, that's how I prepare to teach the Word of God. There's a lot of deductive messages, sermons, teachings being done today. I was listening early this morning on Facebook to a pastor up in Green Bay, that bigger church. Totally deductive. I'm sitting there, I'm just waiting for the Word of God. <laughs> you know. And it was a lot of good stories, a lot of biblical truths, but I was waiting for the Word of God just to be taught. And I have such a conviction for us as a church. We want to be rightly dividing the word of God. We want to get it right, that we can give it right. And Paul takes such <laughs> care <laughs> and, and foresight in putting together his letters in the Bible that we would get the depths, be able to grab a hold of doctrine, understand the importance of theology, that we're able to get it right, to give it right. And I was so grateful that I was taught how to inductively study the scriptures. And that's something I'm hoping to do with you guys this next year. You guys know I get together with nine other pastors every Tuesday. A few weeks ago, I asked them, would you guys pray about us corporately, all of our churches getting together and doing multiple weekend conferences on how to study the Bible inductively, that we can walk our people through the inductive study of the scriptures that they too can learn you guys have been around long enough, we've done a few conferences in the past doing the exact same thing. But how many of you guys are new to freedom within the last year? Six months. Yeah, almost the whole room here, okay? Everybody else is at home. Hi, guys, we love you. <laughs> but it's one of those things we take that for granted. But I want us all, okay? The Word of God is for us all. It's not just for you guys to show up on Sunday and say, hey, what did the pastor get this week as he studied? Okay, I hope... Sunday mornings is kind of like the cherry on the top for you guys, that you've been spending time with the Lord, hearing his word, studying it. Okay? The word's living, it's active. Man's not going to live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We have the privilege to be in the word of God. Okay? 
The message I was listening to had a little bit to do about resolutions being a new year. Good things. You can have your best life now. Go for it. Do it yourself. Here's a little self-help tips, okay? Great. Um, I just want to encourage you. Last year, we did a whole year, okay? Some of you guys, a handful of you, actually made it all the way through the Bible this last year. And I've heard reports totally blessed going through it. Great app out there called, what's it called, Scripture? Read Scripture? Yeah, phenomenal. got little videos. They take you through daily. I encourage you guys, be in the Word of God. What I'm going to ask you guys at the start of this year one hour a day, just for one month. Read the Word of God just for one hour a day. One hour. I don't know if I can do that. That's a lot, Pastor. Okay? Well, how much Netflix do you watch? What voices? How much time are we willing to listen to other things? And I'm just asking you guys just to do it for a month. One hour. And see what changes. Because let me tell you what. When we're in a place and we're hearing from God, life is differently. I've had seasons that are dry, that are hard. <laughs> okay? And then there's seasons where, hey, I'm, I'm going to dig in. I'm going to be intentional in hearing from you. And it's night and day, guys, when I'm in that place of hearing from the Lord. So um, I love Romans. I was blessed in Bible college being able to study it through. Uh, very weighty, reading all those commentaries, hearing my teacher I'm just like, wow, this is, this is deep. <laughs> this is rich. This is why Romans has been the most influential book. Okay, even just being a book of how many other books of the Bible, Romans has had more impact, I think, upon the world than any other book in the history of mankind. It, it is phenomenal. And I love it because I told you guys I struggled a little bit. If you guys study through the first seven chapters of Romans, it's like, hey, who is able to stand? who we've all fallen, we we're all sinners. And then I got to chapter 8. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And that chapter set me free, guys. I didn't hear nothing about the Spirit of God in the first seven chapters. And then as a son of God who's been born again of the Spirit of God, the lights came on. In that chapter, 32 times, the Spirit is now mentioned. Nothing in the previous chapters, and boom! Here's truth, here's reality, here is life in the Spirit of God. And as a child of God, all that you have, all that you've been given, how you are loved, who you are now in Christ Jesus. It's one of the most beautiful things, and that is the one thing that every single human being is trying to figure out in this life. Who am I? We are looking so hard for our identity. We're willing to mess things up pretty bad in our lives just to find identity. And the reality is we have been created for a purpose. And it's for the glory of God. And until we come to know him personally, to be forgiven of his, our sins, to have life in Christ, okay, we're not going to be able to fulfill that purpose. We're not going to be able to glorify him. But when we come to faith in him, now we can enter in to why we are here, what we've been created for. So I spent six months trying to memorize Romans chapter 8. I love that chapter so much. Um, yeah, I love teaching it. Um, jail ministry. I've taught the book of Romans in one teaching probably about a dozen times now. I just, I just love it. There's just so much. Anyways, let's actually get into why it's so good. Um, 
I do believe it's um, a great book. A lot of greater saints than me have said the same. I want to share with you guys the intro to Romans uh, from the Geneva Study Bible. It says this, Romans is Paul's fullest, grandest, most comprehensive statement of the gospel. It is comprised declarations of vast truths like coiled springs. Once loosed, they leap through the mind and the heart and they fill one's horizons and shapes one's life. And I believe that, guys. You guys are familiar with Martin Luther, right? He had a pretty cool wife. Uh, her name was Catherine Van Bora. He loved her a whole lot. And he actually said of the book of Romans that it was his Catherine Van Bora. He so loved the book. It's, it's the book that finally gave him religious peace. If you guys know anything about Luther's life, he was trying to earn his salvation to be good enough to do away with sin. And it was Romans that taught him about justification. Because we do want to live in that condemnation. We know we've fallen short. We know we are sinners. But the beauty of the gospel, the grace of God, is so revealed in such a wonderful way in this book that our eyes open up. We're like, whoa! This is what God has done for us. So we have Augustine, Luther, Wesley. They all came to assured faith because of the impact of the book of Romans. John Christensen, uh, he's probably the greatest preacher we had during the 5th century. He said of Romans um, that it had to be something we all studied regularly. He actually had it read to him once a week his entire life. Okay, that's how important it was to him. Chuck Swindoll said, Romans is no light snack for the soul. It's a full course meal meant to be savored over time. How about you guys? I like a good meal, especially when it's the word of God. I want to dig in. I want to partake of all that's there. Another quote from a guy named Landon Churchill says, Oh, the depth one can dig from, the same, from one single book. Study Romans once, and then again, and again, and again. We did as a fellowship, Romans, a few years back. I'm excited we're going to be doing it again. My philosophy, guys, is of learning, um, is really from understanding like Paul's, okay? Um, in the very, to be very open. There's nothing for us to fear when we come to the scriptures. God loves us, and I believe this is a love letter, okay? There's truth that is hard to swallow, but God loves us enough to tell us the truth. And there's a lot of truth in Romans, uh, but some of you have been right. You're asking, hey, Landon, it seems like God's bringing a lot of new people to church. Shouldn't we get into the basics, the fundamentals, the essentials of the faith? Those are important things. We all want to be growing and maturing in Christ. And all of us, none of us are at the exact same place in our walk, in our maturity. We're all in different places. We are all growing. Now, um, I think when it comes to the importance of biblical uh, you know, understanding, we need to have biblical alignment. Okay? We need to agree with what God says. Because he's always right. Do you guys know that? All the time. Um, so there are basics. But the cool thing about Romans is we're going to hit on a lot. We're going to hit on faith, condemnation, the flesh, foreknowledge, glorification, the gospel, Grace, justification, law, predestination, uh, propitiation, righteousness, salvation, sanctification, sin, works, and a whole lot of other things 
just inductively going through the scripture together. Aren't you guys kind of excited about that? There's a verse I share with you guys often, 2 Timothy 3.16. It tells us all scripture is given by God. Okay, inspiration of God, and it's profitable. It's good for you and I for doctrine. That's what is right for reproof. Teaches us what is not right for correction, how to get right, and for instructions in righteousness, how to stay right, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's what I want to see for each and every one of us, guys. Church is a place for the saints to be equipped for the work of ministry. Okay. If you came here this morning, well, I hope it's a good New Year's message. Hope Pastor is spot on and I can leave here really encouraged and excited about 2021. If I do that for you, I've missed my part. My part is to equip you guys for the work of the ministry. And the Word of God does that. So Romans has been called a constitution. Okay, It is a fundamental principles or established precepts it's also been called a manifesto a public declaration of policy it's personal yet it's well-developed presentation totally grace-filled and it's god-exalting theology i hope you have a greater view of god every time we get together that's what i want to leave you guys with wow god is cool he is great. He is awesome. None like him. I'm stoked. I don't know if you guys are getting this, but I'm, I'm kind of excited about getting into Romans with you guys. You know, There's things we get excited about. Okay, I like the Green Bay Packers. They're playing the Bears today. I can kind of get excited about that. More than any other Bear-Packer game ever in my lifetime, I'm excited about this one because it means Packers might have home field advantage. But I can honestly tell you guys, as excited as I might be about a football game, Getting in the book of Romans is so, 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 so much more exciting for me than a football game, okay? So dead pig crosses, you know, a line and he gets some points. Fun. The word of God, guys, is so far beyond anything that we have in this life. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will remain. Do you guys know and understand how much cooler the word of our God is? Okay, I hope so. If not, I hope you get stirred up and you start to see, taste and see, right? Um, so it really beckons us, okay, this book, to really to stretch our minds, to let our hearts soar and our souls to sing. So it's a place in the Bible, okay? If you guys consider, we have the Old Testament, which is all pointing to what? The coming Messiah. Christ is going to come. The Savior is going to come. That's what the Old Testament is all about. That's why I love that we're going to be doing Genesis at the same time with Romans because it's all pointing to him coming. And then we have the New Testament. Well, he came, <laughs> okay? So we have the book of Acts. After the Gospels, after the Acts of the church, the birth of the church, the first letter we find is Romans, okay? And it's known as an epistle, or one of the letters that we find in the scriptures. And these books go from Romans all the way to Jude. And there's one last little book on the end there, Revelation. I don't know if you guys know anything about that book. We spent the whole last year going through it. Hopefully you guys know a little bit. So the epistles set forth here the implications, and really it's for the outworking of our faith. That's what these epistles, these letters, they deal with doctrine, how we ought to 
live, what is right. So they deal with issues crucial to life in the church. So of the 21 epistles, do you guys know how many Paul wrote? 13, maybe 14 if we think he wrote Hebrews. So half of the New Testament. Paul's a pretty cool dude, don't you guys think? Half of the books. So the Romans. Um, if we could put Romans into two sentences, this is probably what it should be. Through faith in Christ, a righteousness from God is imparted to sinners. First sentence. Second sentence would be, through Christ's atoning sacrifice, God removes his holy wrath towards us and he brings us into a loving relationship with himself forever. Does that sound like good news? That's pretty good news. And that's why Romans is such a good book because we need good news, don't we? So if you like outlines, you guys can jot down chapter 1, the first 17 verses, which we're going to, Lord willing, cover today, uh, if we ever get to it. <laughs> uh, the second part is a whole lot of doctrine, from verse 18 in chapter 1 all the way into chapter 8 and through verse 39 there. And then nationally speaking of Israel, chapters 9, 10, and 11, which I'm excited to get there probably October, November. Uh, and then practical things are in chapters 12 to 15, verse 13. And then there's a conclusion Paul gives us from verse 14 to chapter 15 all the way through chapter 16. So that's the simple outline for you guys. Uh, but for this morning, we're going to look at Paul's manifesto, his mission, and his message. Are you guys ready? Good. That was just an introduction. So... <laughs> Let's take a read here at Paul's manifesto, the first seven verses together. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets, the Holy Scripture, or in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born in the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name among whom you also are the called of jesus christ to all who are in rome beloved of god called to be saints grace to you and peace from god our father and our lord Jesus Christ. So did you guys catch in verse 1 this word? Paul says he's a bondservant. Okay? He said, hey, I'm Paul the tent maker. Hey, I'm Paul that former Pharisee who liked to persecute Christians and have them thrown into jail and killed a few. I'm Paul, pretty smart dude. Could ask Gamaliel. You know, he was one of the leading scribes and Pharisees of the day and he... Uh, he thinks I'm pretty cool. Paul could have said he's a lot of things, but what does he say he is? He's a bondservant. I am a servant. I think that is so cool, guys. Do you guys know that the disciples that we read of in the Gospels like to argue once in a while? They like to argue about who was going to be the greatest among them. And what did Jesus tell them? You want to be great? You be a servant. 
And that is one thing I really respect in the life of our brother Paul. Would you guys agree that he was a servant? The brother served. He gave of himself completely. He gave up everything to go make Jesus known to the Gentile world. All slaves have masters. And isn't it cool that Paul says that Christ is his? Who are you a slave to? Oh, it's my family. You know, I work nine to five every day, Pastor. It's my boss, my job. Christian, who are you a slave to? I want to be like Paul and be able to say that I'm a bondservant. I'm a doulos. I got to youth pastor for seven years, and the youth group's name was doulos youth group. It's the Greek word for bondservant. It's something God had placed into our hearts to teach our kids. Okay? Young brother and sister, learn to be a servant of Jesus's. You want to be great in this life? You want to know what your purpose is? <laughs> it's to follow Jesus. And if he came to serve and not to be served, but to serve others, we get to follow our king, our God, in a like manner. And I love it because the essence of being a doulos, a bondservant, is to be enslaved without bondage. Every slavery I can think of in this life, there's a bondage there. But coming to Christ in choosing to be a servant of him is one of the most freeing things. It is the most freeing thing anyone can have and find in this life. We have no bondage in doing it. We get to serve the king of kings. Wow. That's the reality of being a bondservant. I want to share with you guys, and it also communicates humility. Sam told me he picked up the book Humility by Andrew Murray. If you guys have not read that book, read it. He's being blown away by it. But humility is one of those things we need to learn as Christians. Because our pride keeps us from what? Being a servant. No, they should serve me because I am all this. No, no. We are the lowest of the low. We serve. We love. That's what God's asking us to do. Take a look up here at Exodus chapter 21 with me. I'm going to bring this idea of a bondservant back to where we first find it in Scripture. And it's here in Exodus 21, verses 5 and 6. If the servant plainly says, I love my master. So if you're a slave and you say, hey, my master's been good to me. I, I love him. I've, I've enjoyed serving him. If he says, I love my master, my wife, and my children... I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him to the judges, and she, he shall also bring him to a door or to a doorpost. And his master shall pierce his ear with an awe, and he shall serve him for how long, guys? Forever. Isn't that cool? That's a doulos. Can you guys save your God of Jesus? I love him. I love him. I don't want to go do my own thing. <laughs> Even though I'm free in Christ, 
I have freedom now. It's for freedom's sake. Jesus came. That's what Scripture told us. I'm free from the law of sin and death. has no power over me anymore. I've been set free. I love him. I don't want to go anywhere else. I want to stay right with him. And I want to serve him forever. That's the idea, guys, of being a bondservant. Isn't that kind of cool? So if you all show up next week with big awls in your ears, that's cool. Okay, we can roll with that. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. (laughs) So let's go back here. Uh, Considering in verse 1, Paul being called uh, a bondservant, but he's also been called to be an apostle. So God intended this process. Okay, Paul didn't choose this role for himself, but it was really a calling. Okay, was Paul seeking to be an apostle? No, you guys remember what he was doing? He was killing Christ followers, having them thrown in jail, persecuting the church. That's what Paul was up to, because he was a good Jewish boy, Pharisee of Pharisees, Hebrew of Hebrews. We want nothing to do with this Jesus Messiah. But we know from the book of Acts that God knocked him off his horse. (laughs) Showed up, revealed himself, and Paul repented. So he's called to be an apostle, and he's separated, we're told. For what? The gospel. Separated for the gospel. What a calling. I hope you live in that reality. That our lives are to be about the gospel. We're saved by it. We found life in it. We're called to share it with the world. Do we live in that reality? I have people ask me all the time, hey, you you pastor Freedom Fellowship. What denomination is that? Who are you guys? What do you do? I just tell people we're a gospel-centered church. Like, I don't know how to better define who we are. (laughs) It's about the gospel. It's not about a program. It's not about doing this or doing that. It's about Jesus Christ. Him crucified. Some of us are looking to resolve some things moving forward this new year. I would ask you to join me in 1 Corinthians 2.2. I have determined or I have resolved to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Can we say that, brother and sister? That our life is about the gospel. This is where we find our being our identity, our hope, our life, our God. Every purpose. It is the gospel. Check out verse 2. Which he promised before through his prophets in the holy scriptures. So salvation in Christ has been a great plan from the beginning. You guys understand that? That's one thing I love about the scriptures. It was prophesied from the beginning. This isn't some newfanged message opposed to Judaism. I like telling my Jewish friends, hey, I know you're waiting for the Messiah to come. Guess what? You missed him because it was Jesus and you will really like him because he's a Jew too. They just missed their Messiah. 
They've been looking for the Savior. They've been waiting. It's in their own book, guys. How many prophecies were spoken in the Scriptures, in the Old Testament, pointing to Jesus? Even the day He would come was laid out. That's how specific these prophecies got. They weren't vague. Hundreds of them, specifically. How can you miss it? Because you willfully choose to be blind. You will not seek. You will not look. You will not even believe your own scriptures. And I love sharing with Jews. We don't even have to touch the New Testament. <laughs> Let's just look at your book. Who does this sound like? The suffering servant. Who is this Messiah? He died and rose again. What? That's in your own scriptures. That sounds like a guy I know. Can I tell you about him? He's pretty cool. Oh, let's look at verse 3. Concerning his son Jesus, that's what all these scriptures were about. Before the foundations of the world, Christ was crucified. It was all about him coming. Jesus, him crucified. Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Aren't you guys glad that he is alive today? That is our reality. Our God lives, and he is moving, and he is doing, and he is saving people today. That's exciting. Verse 5, through him we have received grace. Wow, and we need that grace. An apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you also are called in Christ Jesus. So here we have Paul's manifesto, Paul's written declaration, principles, policies, and objectives in these few little verses. What a beautiful little mini sermon here, okay? We could hang here the rest of the day for hours. The game isn't until 325. Let's go, right? Guys, do we get what is being laid down here by Paul? This is beautiful. Jesus being the Savior of the world wasn't by chance. This is what it's been all about from the beginning. Next week, we're going to talk about Genesis, God creating, and right after creation, it didn't take too long. We fell. We blew it. We sinned against God. Since the beginning, guys, he's had a plan. He knew what we would do, and yet he still loves us so much that he was willing to come and to make things right. I want you to look at verse 7 with me. It says, To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's relationship here with the church that is in Rome, Italy. Have you guys ever been there? Cool. A few of you guys. My wife Sunny was there. I was with her. We weren't married yet. I liked her. She didn't like me, but we were in Rome together. It was awesome. <laughs> Missionary dating. Woohoo! Um, <laughs> Paul, um, he had not planted the church in Rome. We know he was a church planter. That's one thing he loved to do. And yet, even visiting the church in Rome, he hadn't done it. Though he was very aware of their impact and their growth. You guys catch that in verse 8? He knew what was going on with the church there in Rome. 
It's likely the church in Rome began shortly after Acts chapter 2. You guys remember reading of Pentecost? We're told there in verses 10 and 11, visitors from Rome were there that day, both Jews and proselytes. And they said, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful things of God? You think some of those Romans maybe got saved that day? Probably. And what are you going to do once you get saved? i got to go home and tell everybody. That's what happens. Some of you guys here today because someone in your family got saved and they came home and told you about it. And then you got saved. And then you went and told somebody about it. That's kind of how it works. So, Paul's actually been in the East evangelizing. Paul's been planting church, training up leaders from uh, Judea all the way to Macedonia for about 10 years up to this point. Okay, 10 years. And now he writes this letter. So Paul, he has his sights now on Spain. Why is Paul getting all, you're like, everywhere? Okay, did he have a private plane? Like, how did this guy, what was going on? He wants to go to Spain now? He had a ministry. He was called by God to what? To share with the Gentile world. Do you guys understand that Gentiles are everybody who are not Hebrews? That's everybody else. (laughs) He had a huge mission field. So I want you guys to check this out, okay? Paul gets online. (laughs) He pulls up Google Maps. And he starts making travel plans, right? He's, he's in Corinth, and he writes a letter, probably the winter of 57. I'm going to throw this up online for you guys at home. Here's the map also, okay? So he's there uh, in Corinth, and then he's going to go to Jerusalem, okay? And that is in Israel, Jerusalem. We were there in February. A handful of you guys came with. Woohoo! Beautiful and wonderful. He wanted to go there. He had some cash to drop off. Then he was going to sail to Spain, okay? All the way over to Spain. And then from there, he plans on stopping in Rome when he cruises by. So he took boats. This is the exact route he took. This is just what Google Maps gave me. Um, But (laughs) isn't this crazy to look at? Think about how much this man traveled. They didn't have private planes back then, by the way, just to let you guys know. Okay, It was very slow going. A lot of walking. Upwards of 20 miles a day this brother would go. Why? The love of Christ compelled this man. and He wanted to share the gospel with the world, guys. And he did whatever it took. Whatever it took. Where is ministry needed? Who needs to be served? Who needs to hear? How about this city? Oh, and I got to keep going, and I got to eat. What can, I'm going to walk 20 miles this way to make some tents. I'm going to work a little bit so I can continue to minister the gospel wherever he went. He was a man that was on the go. And check this out. Google Maps tells me that it was uh, uh, over 1,000 a, a hours you know, just to do that. that. That's a lot of walking, guys. 1,000 hours. Some of us you know, sacrifice. You like Freedom Fellowship. You drive a ways to get here. You know, it's a half an hour. It's a whole hour for us to get to church. You know? Think about this. We have a brother willing to go. Take how much time? We have brothers and sisters all over the world that haven't been blessed with a vehicle or even roads. Hey, I'm willing to walk three hours to get to church today. 
you know. Anyways, Paul was pretty cool. So Paul, um, he can give them a clear and a very concise essentials of the faith. That's why he wanted to go to them in, per- in person there in Rome. Not so they could just learn about them, but he wanted to be a light with them into the rest of the empire there in Rome. So back to Rome. This is where uh, Paul wants to go. And we think about it for a moment. Rome, really, Paul? Okay, the seat of paganism, of idolatry, materialism. There's a growing hostility there, too, towards Christians. And that's where you want to go. Yet in the midst of all the debauchery, the light of Christ is burning bright enough for the whole empire to see. So do we today compare to Rome? Have you guys ever asked yourself that question? Do we compare? Well, take all U.S. churches, turn them into pagan shrines. Take all just laws off our books. Make our president a Christian hater and a destroyer. Then we can start to compare, okay? I know we want to do a lot of comparing right now. Knock it off, not even close, okay? It also tells us here, Paul writes in verse 7, grace and peace. Shalom and charis, right? Shalom, peace, greeting, charis, grace to you. My daughter's name, Shalom Charis Churchill, okay? Grace and peace. And you can't have the peace of God until you receive the grace of God. Do you guys understand that? You have to receive the grace. It's something to be received. So, grace um, and peace. And I love that, because this is an experience that results in activities of God for His glory, and we get to partake on it, take of it. It's on our behalf. It's given to us. So, this now moves us to verse 8, which speaks then to Paul's mission let's take a look at verse 8 first i thank my god through jesus christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world for god is my witness whom i serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son that without ceasing i may make mention of you always in my prayers how cool is that who are you praying for that you've not even met isn't that cool Verse 10, making requests, if by some means, now at last, I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, so that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, verse 13, it says, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but I was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Did you guys catch that it was their faith? Look at verses 8 and 9. It was their faith. It was not the size of the church. 
It was not their wealth. It was not their busyness. It was their faith. It was vibrant. It was a steadfast faith. So we pray a half an hour before service every Sunday. And part of our prayer together this morning is that we here at Freedom would be people of faith. That we would be believing Jesus, believing his word. That people, when they talk of Freedom Fellowship, wouldn't it be cool? Yeah, I know people there. They're people of faith. They really do believe Jesus. They love what he says. I think that'd be pretty cool. Verses 10 to 13 then, it talks about his longing here. Okay, he had many friends in Rome. In chapter 16, that we'll get to maybe a year from now, he actually lifts off 27 different names. Isn't that pretty cool? I know 27 people there. Okay, intimate details about their family and relationships. And then he lays down seven Christian services in that chapter too that are going on. I think that is so cool. But shouldn't we just be concerned about what God's doing in our little church family here locally? Isn't that what our Christianity is all about right here? Shouldn't we just care about what's going on in our own backyard? Don't we need more groups and social getting-togethers? And isn't it all about us? I think when we're looking to Jesus, we catch on real quick that he's up to much. And it's not just right here. Yeah, he loves us. He's doing things right here. But he's a global God who's doing stuff everywhere. Did you guys hear about the church this last week in China? They've sent in 40 officials, arrested this home church. Are you guys aware of what's going on? Brothers and sisters, this week, guys, all thrown in jail. Don't know what's set before them, what's going to happen to them. I've been praying for them. I wear one bracelet. I've had this on for a couple of years, imprisoned with them. Do we remember our brothers and sisters around the world who are being persecuted? Are we praying about what's going on around the world? We need to be. Because God cares. It's not just about us, guys. God is doing much. And it's good to get to know people. What are they doing? Praying for pastors. You guys know how many people are out on the mission field going it alone? <laughs> they don't need to be. We can be there for them. We can be praying, interceding on their behalf. How beautiful is that? Do you guys know how many people pray for Freedom Fellowship here? I guarantee you there's dozens of people that prayed this morning that are not here, not even a part of our church family, but they're praying for us saints here because they know God is doing things and that he's wanting to do things here. Isn't that a blessing? Yeah. Let's do the same. All right. I love my side notes. So Paul longed to visit these guys. Let's jump down to verse 14 and 15. When he talks about being a debtor to all, okay? People of all ethnic groups, okay? Uh, verse 5, uh, the income, all educational levels, cultural uh, distinctives, ages, uh, both genders. It doesn't matter who, okay? Debtor. There is a binding obligation placed upon the debtors in this ancient world. That's the word that's used here. So as believers, we are free from the debt of sin. Do you guys understand that? Okay. You get to stand before God Almighty someday, and he's not going to see you as sinful. 
He's going to see you as he sees his perfect son, Jesus Christ. That is awesome. Righteous, whole, without sin. Okay? No debt of sin. But we are debtors to be witnesses to this world. That is why you are here, brother and sister. You are here to be a witness to this world. So are you paying your spiritual debts? It's a simple yes or no. No excuses, yes or no. Am I really called to that, Pastor? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Are you a disciple of Jesus? Do you follow him? That's why we're here. We've been called into a ministry of reconciliation. That's our ministry. We are light and salt. Not you don't get to choose to be light and salt. No, you are light and salt. You are the fragrance of Christ everywhere you go. I don't like what you're saying, Pastor. Because I want to be given to other things. Well, too bad if you're a Christian. This is who you are now in Christ. And we get to be a light. We get to be a witness to this world. We get to share Jesus. So listen carefully. I want to share a quote with you guys. And you won't believe who this is from. The quote goes like this. Every Christian, as he explores the historical record of Scripture and tradition, comes to a deep abiding faith. Experiences that Christ is the risen one and he is therefore the eternally living one It is a deep, life-challenging experience. No true Christian can keep it hidden as a personal matter for such an encounter with the living God cries out to be shared like the light that shines, like the yeast that leavens a whole mass of dough. Pope John Paul II said that. He kind of sounded like an evangelical right there, didn't he? Yeah, I scratched my head too much in that quote. I'm like, really? But JP, he got it. I don't know if he got it, got it. But he got the point, hey, if the reality of who Jesus is, the reality of the gospel has sunk in, you're going to share that. That's what we do. I'm still waiting for a Catholic to share the gospel with me. I think that would be so cool. Haven't had that happen yet. But if we are in Christ, if we truly believe the gospel, I don't care what denomination you are, you're going to share Jesus with other people. That's what's going to happen. Why? Because when you come to something that good, that sweet, that real, when your life has been changed upside down. You are a new creation in Christ. Those old things have passed away. All things become new. How can you not go share that with somebody? You gotta share it. So, have you been gripped with the gospel and its wonderful message? I hope so. If not, I hope you're stirred up this morning. I hope the study of Romans will grip you in such a way. So are you sharing it? Are you living it? Remember, it's proclamation and demonstration, right? The gospel is something that we live out. Really? Yeah. So if we're born again of the Spirit of God, we will be exhibiting the fruits of the Spirit. People are going to be able to look in and say, wow, there's self-control there. There's love. Where's this kindness coming from? People are watching you. You are a living sermon for the world to see, guys. Yeah. 
but we just don't live it. We actually have to proclaim it too, right? How will they hear unless there's a preacher? And again, great, you're all here. I'm thinking most of you already know Jesus. You get the gospel. Some of you guys are like, why is that all we talk about? It's because it's what's needed, okay? We need to remember the gospel. It's the most important thing in our lives. But also, guys, the church is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. I love when you guys send people my way. Hey, you should talk to my pastor. He'll be able to answer that question. I love doing that. But you need to share the gospel yourself. That's what we're called to. Because you work in places I don't go and probably never will be. That's just the reality. We can't wait for a missionary to come into town or for there to be a tent revival that we've been praying for forever to finally take place. So let's wrap up this morning, verses 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. For everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And you guys see here that he is not ashamed of the gospel, okay? You guys might be, well, of course you're not, Paul. You're an apostle. You shouldn't be ashamed, right? But think of the resistance, the ridicule of Paul's day, okay? Some of us think we are persecuted for our faith. Yeah, things might be getting worse, but we're not even close. How many of you guys have been whipped within an inch of your life a few times? Anybody? Any of you guys stoned for your faith in Christ? I've been hit and spit on. But that's nothing compared to what Paul went through. Not even close. You see, the Jews hated it. They hate the gospel. It undermined their system of self-achieved righteousness. You guys know the Jews love the law? Look what I can do in my flesh. If we just do all these things, then we'll be right with our God. The Gentiles hated it. How dare these Christians teach us that there's only one God? How dare you guys say that? And saying that your one God is the only one. The emperors hated it, right? Nero was the first Christian persecutors of those who sat on the throne. He couldn't stand these Christians. I'm king. <laughs> you bow down to me alone. How dare you bow down to this Jesus? Nero wanted nothing to do with that. Let's start killing him. So Paul says the gospel is nothing to be embarrassed about or hidden. That is what our brother Paul is telling us. Don't be embarrassed about the gospel. It is the gift of God, guys. It's the power of God unto salvation. This is what we get to share. It's an announcement. You guys get that? It's a proclamation. So the gospel here, it's... Good news. <laughs> it's really good news. Like we get excited about some fireworks because it's a new year, right? Yay! Look at all the fireworks. New year, so exciting, so much to look forward. Good news is 2020 is gone. Let me tell you what, there's still going to be problems in 2021. Okay? I've had problems every year of my life. Some of you guys may have it a little more figured out. And, but anyways... The gospel is the good news. 
It was promised in verse 2. Take a look. It was purchased in verse 4. It's preached in verse 15. And it has power in verse 16. Do you guys see that? We're not to be ashamed of the gospel. A lot of false gospels out there today. False gospel of prosperity, power, politics, self-help. Those aren't the gospel of Jesus Christ, guys. There's only one gospel that can save. And it's the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we are not to be ashamed of it. We preach him, and we preach him crucified. I want to share with you guys a quote by E. Stanley Jones. Um, I put this up on my Facebook, and Alex Vandermoss, he, he's a part of crew ministry in Minneapolis. Do you guys know how crazy Minneapolis got this last year with everything that went down? And he's been there ministering the gospel. We as a church support him. Pray for Alex Vandermoss in the ministry there. But he said that this quote was gold. <laughs> Why do you say that? Because it's really good. Catch what Stanley Jones says here. Religions are man's search for God. The gospel is God's search for man. And there are many religions, but one gospel. That is it. Man has attempted and attempted and attempted over the ages to be right, to be good enough, to do enough, to make it to heaven. And we can't do it, guys. We can't do it. None of us are good enough. In Christianity, God's word, the Bible, clearly teaches us that God did it. He did what we couldn't do. He alone is Savior. We can't save ourselves. That is the one unique thing to Christianity from all other religions in the world. God reaching down to save man instead of us trying to reach God. And aren't you guys grateful and thankful that he did? That he loves us that much? Absolutely. So I want to conclude our time this morning considering this idea of a beachhead. And some of you guys might be like, well, what's a beachhead pastor? A beachhead is a defended position on a beach taken from the enemy by launching forces from which an attack can be launched. So you guys have the idea of a beachhead. Okay? Pretty significant when it comes to warfare. Now, God knew to take back the world that he would need a beachhead. He chose the shore of the Mediterranean there in Israel. He got to go there. That's where he chose to come 2,000 years ago. This is going to be a beachhead. Okay? So where I'm going to come strategically. Okay? Attack. War is going to be made here. And we, we read the Gospels. We know that all that went down to stop Christ. I mean, killing babies because maybe we'll get the one who is the Messiah, the King, right? So Jesus knew to take this world that he needed beachhead. He chose the shore of the Sea of Galilee there in Capernaum. Paul knew to take the world that he would need a beachhead. And he also ch chose the shores of the Mediterranean in Antioch. Freedom Fellowship, 
was called. We didn't try to start a church. God said, this is what I am doing. 2007, he just did it. He spoke it, he did it. 2011, I want you guys to be a beachhead in Kakana, Wisconsin. Really? What was going on then in Kakana, Wisconsin? We got seven kids at the high school killing themselves, two of the teachers there. Spiritual stronghold. Churches trying to be planted here over the years. Just crazy stuff going on. I want you guys. I'm going to do something from Kakana, Wisconsin. So here we are on the river. I don't know if you guys like being on the river. I think it's a cool beachhead. I look along. Hey, look at all the cities that are along the river. I don't even know where Harrison is. Joe, do you know where Harrison is? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, it's one of those things, guys. <laughs> look at all these cities right around us. and we're, we're on the end of the valley here, the Fox River. And also along the river, God said, hey, I want another beachhead. I'm going to give you guys a building that you can do church in. Downtown Appleton. Poorest poverty pocket in all of the city. And God says, no, you're not to do church there. I want you to feed the poor there. You share food so you can share the gospel with people right here in the poorest community in Appleton. Cool. Another beachhead. I don't know how many dozens upon dozens, if not hundreds upon hundreds of people have come to faith through that ministry over the last decade. A lot have. Pretty cool. I look at the fruit and the faith here in Kakana, Wisconsin. That's pretty cool. So my question is, where has God placed you to set up a beachhead in this world? Where has he set you? Where has God placed you to set up a beachhead in this world? It might be in your workplace. It might be right in your neighborhood. It might be in a country that God has placed on your heart. He's maybe asking you to go. I've joked over the years about being sent to Guam. All the way to Guam. Where's Guam? Right? Pastor Rob, that used to be in Greenville, did a church plant there, prayed with him for years. Chaplain for the Navy. He's being sent all over the world. Guess where he was last year? Sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Guam. <laughs> Somebody made it to Guam. Now he's back in Virginia and he doesn't know which beachhead he's going to have next. Pray for Pastor Rob and his wife Jennifer and their family. God's taken them all over. People in the service getting saved like crazy and the cities that they're going to, people are getting saved. It's fun. So as a church, we're going to set up, um, I don't know where our next beachhead's going to be. You guys pray about that. God, where do you want us next? What do you want us to be doing? Maybe it's a church plant somewhere else within the valley. I love the idea of this river. Okay, You guys just see north of Kakana a little ways, we have Wrightstown. How many of you guys have been to Wrightstown before? 3,500 people. I took a drive a few days ago and I just drove through. I pulled in a couple parking lots of churches there and I just prayed for Wrightstown. I know God loves the 3,500 plus people that live in Wrightstown. God, what are you doing here? Lord, would you bless those that know you in this city? Would you let them shine so bright this next year?
that their family and friends and co-workers would want to come to know you. Give them boldness to speak your word, the gospel. I just drove around the city for about 10 minutes. And then I drove back home along the river. De Pere's a little farther north of that. I've prayed for De Pere more in the last year or two than I have in my entire life. Pastor David works at a radio station that preaches the gospel from De Pere, Wisconsin. So I start praying for De Pere more. And then two goofballs from De Pere, Ozzy and Samuel, start coming to Freedom Fellowship, and they're from De Pere. Well, I guess I'm going to start praying for De Pere even more. <laughs> they're there, you know? So it's one of those things. What is God going to do through those guys? In their neighborhood, in their workplaces. Where's the next beachhead that God has? You know? I think of downtown Appleton where we have the pantry. Right across the river, guys, is our county jail. 550 beds. Men and women who are incarcerated, they got caught in their sin. The only reason you guys aren't there is because you haven't got caught. <laughs> These guys got caught, <laughs> and they're there. And many of them don't know Jesus Christ. What a privilege. I know a handful of you guys. I love that my brother Bill's here this morning. He's been a faithful brother up ministering the gospel in the jail for years now. Did I get to train you? Did you come on when I was chaplain? I think it was early part. Yeah, yeah. Servant. We didn't see each other so much because we're just passing the like, nights in the... Sh you know, we're meeting with all these different inmates, going in and preaching the gospel, teaching Bible studies, teaching the book of Romans to people who want to learn the word of God. And it's been so cool. Even this last year, we're not allowed to go up like we used to. It's been a bummer, but you know what's happening? There's Bible studies almost in every single block in our county jail right now. Brothers and sisters in these blocks are taking a stand, opening the Word of God, and sharing with their cellmates. That's pretty cool. Pray for them. Then I think about Calumet County. How cool. Fox Valley Jail Ministry has been around for decades, sharing the gospel. You guys know that we have counties right around us that have no jail ministry going on? You guys know that Hebrews tells us to remember those who are in prison as if chained with them? Do we have a heart? Will we, are we willing to go where people don't want to go? Because the mentality right now in the world is, hey, they screwed up. <laughs> They're getting what they deserve. Lock them up, throw away that key. Forget about them. Does that sound like the heart of our God at all? No. Well, let me tell you what. I like to be where God is and what he's up to. And if the harvest is plentiful, downtown Appleton, by giving food to people, hundreds of people come through every week, if we get to share Jesus with them just because there's a need, hey, let's do that need. If there's people locked up in jail and nobody else wants to go to them, hey, let's go because Jesus is there. He loves those people. He died for those people. How can we not go? Where's the next beachhead? Who's just pricked in their heart? Hey, Calumet needs something going on in their jails. Brown County needs some help. I live there. I can go. I did the chaplaincy for five years up there. We had people from all over the state that actually would drive. I had someone from Eau Claire. She got radically saved. Mary Kay lady. That's what she does for a living. She drives around in that pink caddy. You guys know what I'm talking about? Right? She's doing pretty good business-wise. But she has such a burden. She was incarcerated herself for a season in life. And she has such a burden. She was willing, because she couldn't find places to serve, she was willing to drive all the way from Eau Claire all the way to Appleton to teach a Bible study. How cool is that? What is God going to set on your heart? 
Well, we got a lot of Native Americans just north of us. They're open to spiritual things, but they deny Jesus Christ. They need to hear the gospel. They're hurting. Percentage-wise, a lot of suicide among you know, Native Americans. Why, why are they not wanting to live? Why are they wanting to kill themselves? So where does God want to place you? And why does he place you where you're placed? Why Kakana, Wisconsin? I think about this. <laughs> why are we in Kakana? I grew up in the valley. All I knew about this city is that it smelled really, really, really bad. Why would anybody want to live in Kakana, Wisconsin? Now, Sonny and I have been living here, what, 14 years? And then God has us move a church here? That's pretty cool. That's kind of exciting. Why here? And most of you guys, how many guys raise your hands are not from Kokana. You don't live in Kokana. Wow, that's almost the whole room. Why are we here? Look out those windows across the street there, guys. Hundreds, hundreds of students, young people in this community. The time I spent in our county jail for five years, as small as Kokana is compared to the rest of Outagamie County, which is huge, I cannot believe how many people landed in our county jail from Kokona, Wisconsin, from this little bitty city. What's going on here? Why is there such a stronghold? Why are things so dark? Why has he asked us to come and be light? Do you guys know that us just being here worshiping Jesus this morning is breaking strongholds? I don't know what's going on. I don't understand all that's going on in the spiritual realm. But there was a lot of crazy suicide for years going on in the city. Lord asked us to come here and establish. And we've engaged a little bit. Okay? We've hosted some of the suicide awareness walks from the church here. Okay? We've engaged in some outreach and things. But we haven't done a whole lot, I would say. I would say there's so much more we could be doing. But we had a brother here early on. Hey, I'm here to serve in Freedom. Or Kukana at Freedom Fellowship because there is a stronghold. And he came, he was here for about a year. And he came up to me, hey, I'm moving to Minneapolis. Stronghold's been broken here. I don't know what God's doing, but the stronghold's been broken. He had a burden just to be here, to worship, to be on site, to be in prayer, to serve this local body. Meet brother in the Lord. Now he's in Minneapolis. Serving and loving a church family there. I think that's so cool. But it comes back to where has God got you? Individually. What beachhead is he asking you (laughs) to make this next year? To launch from? And then we corporately as a church family, what is he asking? I would love to see church plants. I don't know if you guys know this or not. but We have more bars around than we do churches. You guys know that? If you don't believe me, just take a walk after church. Just go down this road or go up there. I think we might have more bars per person in Kukana than any other city in the world. <laughs> like, it's crazy how many bars are right here. People need Jesus. I would love to see more church plants. And I'd love to see more churches that just take the gospel serious. It's not about the programs. It's not about social programs. It's about Jesus Christ making him known. I think that's a very unique thing. Some of you guys come here because you haven't been able to find a church that will just teach the Bible. We have a lot of Bible churches, but just to take the word for the word. 
This is just what you say. We're going to take it serious. We're going to be doers of it. We're going to love you, God. We're going to love others. We're going to go and make disciples. I would love to see dozens of little Freedom Fellowship churches around. They don't even have to be called Freedom Fellowship. I don't even care. But just to have churches that, hey, we can come together, we can love each other, be on mission together, be growing together in our Lord. It is a gift. It is a gift. I look at this map. You guys know I get together with a brother from Seymour, Phil Engel, pastor there at the assemblies, Black Creek, okay, Pastor Levi there at the Bible Church. Shy Octon, I get together with uh, Brother Mike Isabel every week. And then over here is New London. Pastor Kevin and Pastor Paul are really good friends of mine. They got two churches there. You know? But I look around. I've been praying for Greenville for a long time. I told you about Rob before, okay, who's now sent all over the world. He tried to do a church plant there, but he's gone now. What churches do we have out that way? What about Hortonville? There's a strip club in Mackville. Wouldn't it be cool to have a Bible church out there that loves Jesus, is willing to share the gospel? <laughs> That'd be rad. You guys ever think about that? Where's the gospel? And then we look just right here. Appleton, Kimberly, Little Shoot, Grand Shoot. I know brothers and sisters, awesome saints that go to churches in all those different cities. Are there ways that we can serve, encourage them, be praying for them? I hope so. Okay? God is up to much. I think we need to be strategic like he is when it comes to war, okay? So we are in a war, and God is really a strategist. Exodus 15.3 says, The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. So we really need to seek God's strategy. You personally, us corporately as a church, that's what I'd love to see happen January 30th from 9 to 4. You know, we can get together and pray for one another, but I would love to really get vertical. <laughs> God, we're looking to you. What are you wanting? Because if we're looking to him, I think we're going to be able to see where he's pointing. I want you here. I want you doing this. It's good to seek the Lord. So what beachhead does he have for you this week? Because this might seem a little overwhelming. This is sounding kind of big, God. I'll take it a step back. And just simply ask your Heavenly Father, God, what do you have for me this week? Who do you have this week? So saving knowledge is diffused all over the earth, not like sunlight, but like a torchlight, which is passed from one hand to another to another. Great, we're here being light this morning. People driving down the main drag here in town. Oh, look at those crazy people meeting at church. Worshiping God. Don't they know that there's a Packer game today? They should be going to the grocery store to get their beer right now. Or chips, or whatever you need for a game. But wouldn't it be cool, instead of just, hey, we're here shining, we literally took the torch to somebody this week and handed it to them. I think that'd be cool. Just one person this week. Who would it be? But instead, how often are we guilty of going home each and every day and praying for unbelievers that we safely avoided all day long? I'm guilty. I'll confess. I'll be vulnerable. It happens, guys. 
Maybe it's because you're afraid, the fear of being laughed at, mocked. Maybe feeling inadequate to answer questions that someone might have about your faith. Maybe embarrassment. For it is the power of God. It's the gospel. It is the power of God on salvation. It just needs to be shared, guys. You can't domesticate the gospel. We've done that well here in America. It's not like a domesticated dog. The gospel's like a mountain lion. Watch out! They come out of nowhere. They just might get you, right? Sometimes we treat the gospel like a domestic, domesticated canine. We dock the tail, we crop its ears, take it through those special obedience training classes. Some people even put bows in their hair and put a little perfume on their dog, right? Pamper it, and voila! Look at our domesticated canine. There it is. You see, the idea is not to get the word out, but to let the word out. Do you guys get the difference there? Let the word out. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, do not defend God's word, but testify to it. Wow. Does Revelation 12.10 really tell us that they overcame Satan? By the testimony of the saints and the blood of the Lamb? Wow. Testify to the gospel, what God has done, to salvation. You see, while other institutions can provide services, only the church offers the gospel that can transform us from the inside out. That's what we have. Well, don't we need more care ministries, more programs to meet this need and that need? That's all good stuff. Glad churches do it. Okay? There's things that God asks us to do here at Freedom, but we are given to the gospel. Your teenager, when they come to Rise Youth Group, they're going to be taught the word of God. They are going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our kids at Kids Church this morning are hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? You see, one can't inhale its fragrance, guys, when we consider the gospel and be content to leave everything the way it was. Okay? When you come and encounter with the living God, when Christ makes you new, you were born again in the Spirit of God, everything changes. Everything. Guys, it's only the gospel that can save us, forgive us, and bring us into the family of God. And that's what we as the Church of Jesus Christ have to offer this world. Well, shouldn't we preach this from the pulpit or this from the pulpit? No, we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ from the pulpit. Why? Because we are quick to forget. Do you guys know that? I write this in the way of reminder to you. I think of Paul writing 1 Corinthians 15. Chapter 15. After all, he covers all this awesome stuff. What does chapter 15 begin with? Oh, by the way, I have to remind you guys again of the gospel. This is what it's about. Okay? And this is so important for you and I to get. So, one last verse. Verse 17 here, guys. The term righteousness, it's very unique. We don't have time to get into all of it. 
35 times it's used in the book of Romans, and it's defined by Paul as an inward, outward conformity to God's law. So the inward comes from where? God, right? He's the only one who can do heart surgery. Give us a new heart, his spirit within us. And when God himself comes in, there's going to be an outward reality, okay? It flows out of us because of what has flowed into us. Do you guys get that? A lot of us want from church, just tell me what I need to do. Can you give me a little bit of you know, help here? Can you give me a little strategy plan to my best life, okay? To be able to do this and that right. Hey, this, <laughs> the scriptures lay it all out for us, but the power for that comes from the gospel, the reality of Christ in us. So the reality of the just, okay, the righteous, the just, um, this is a basic term that's used or theme that we're going to see throughout our study of Romans, guys. Okay, we're going to deal a lot with condemnation, but the just live by faith. We've been justified. So justification is God's gracious act by which he declares the believer, sinner, righteous in Christ Jesus because of the work that Christ has done upon the cross. So a righteous standing before God leads to a holy life before men. It's that simple. Well, isn't there more to it? No. It's that simple, guys. And it's been said, we are not saved by works or by faith plus works. We are saved by faith that works. Do you really believe? If you really believe, there's going to be an outworking in our lives. I think it's cool. This very verse here, 17, it's the verse that hit Martin Luther. This is the one that opened his eyes when he realized his efforts to work his way to God had been futile. And he found the very righteousness of God granted to him in Christ. So I'm going to ask you, my brother and sister, read ahead. Okay, We'll pick it back up in chapter 1 in two weeks from now, Lord willing. I want you guys to whet your appetite in the book of Romans. Okay? And I want you to ask hard questions because there's going to be things that come up. Okay? Ask those hard theological questions. It's okay. Okay? God's not scared to answer your questions. Okay? And anticipate uh, the tastes and the meals that are ahead. Amen? Amen? Let's stand to our feet and we'll close in prayer. Wow, Father, we are thankful for your word here this morning. We are so grateful, Jesus, that you are the life, God. And so many people are looking for that life, and it's only found in you. We thank you that you are full of grace. And that grace, this gift of eternal life, the reality of the gospel is something that can be received by faith. So we would pray, God, that there would be many, 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 Lord, that would receive you, that would hear the gospel and would repent from their sin and turn to a Savior that loves them, that they would embrace you, God, that they would believe upon you. We thank you so much for the grace that has found us. We thank you so much, Jesus, that you are saving people today. We would ask that you'd help us, Lord, by your Spirit, just to walk in your ways, to be in step with you, God. Help us this week, Lord, to pass that torch, to share with others, God, and give us clarity and wisdom 
uh, in where you are sending us, Father, corporately as a church family here, but also individually. Where do you want to set us up to be that beachhead, Lord, to, uh, to be about your business, to be on mission? God, would you speak to each and every one of my brothers and sisters here in that way this week? I pray for each and every one of us just for boldness. And we thank you again so much, Father, that you are our righteousness, that you have justified us, Jesus, because of what you did, living that perfect life, dying in our place upon the cross. We are so thankful, and we are so thankful that you overcame Satan and hell and death, that you rose from the dead and that you are alive today. And we so look forward to seeing you again, or finally face to face. But until then, we just want to keep looking to you and trusting. We ask this in your name. Amen.